This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, February the 3rd and first today a teenager's been arrested after a schoolboy died when he was hit by a minibus in Northfleet. The Northfleet technology pupil, who was in year 7 and has been named locally as Simon, was knocked down on Vale Road yesterday morning. The suspect was detained on suspicion of manslaughter before being released while investigations continue. Well, at Kent Online today, you can see some of the many tributes that have been left near the junction with Collier Road. Flowers, candles, basketballs and cards have been placed on the pavement. Yesterday, the college sent a letter to parents informing them of the tragedy. The head teacher, Jane Partridge, said, I'm sorry to inform you that one of our community died this morning after being hit by a vehicle on his way to school. The incident is currently under investigation by the police, so we are unable to comment further. A number of our students witnessed the incident and the following events and are understandably extremely distressed. The school will be providing support if it's required for these students. While police are urging anyone who saw what happened or drivers with dash cam footage to get in touch. We've got details on how to contact them within the story where you can see those tributes. One is a red card that reads, Dear Simon, you will always be remembered. You are in a better place now. There are two basketballs as well. One's got a heart drawn on it with RIP underneath. Another says you were the best at ball. Henry, kiss, kiss, kiss. Another card reads, RIP little man, I know I've never met you, but you touched the heart of everyone. One says, RIP Simon, I will miss you mate. I hope you're still playing basketball in heaven from Tom M. Our thoughts are very much with the family involved in this tragedy. Kent Online News. Elsewhere today, a woman who drove her car onto a railway line near Faversham while drunk has avoided being sent to prison. Ollie joins me now to chat through this one. So, Ollie, where exactly did it happen? Well, a court was told that Taylor Barnum was driving along Monks Hill Road in a rural part of the town in May last year. And in fact, the whole thing was caught on CCTV. The video, which you can see at Kent Online or on our socials, shows her car heading over the level crossing, but then turning left onto the tracks. As soon as the car touches the live rails, sparks shoot into the air and the car comes to an abrupt stop. And what happened next? A passenger train was approaching, but thankfully the driver spotted the car's headlights and was able to apply the emergency brakes. They then called the British Transport Police, who turned up and arrested Barnum. She was taken into custody and found to be more than three times over the drink drive limit and an empty beer can was found in the footwell of the car. The following day, she tried to claim she was a passenger in the vehicle, but then later changed that story. So what sentence has she been given and was there any reaction? Well, the 29-year-old, who's from Guinevere Terrace in Rochester, admitted drink driving and driving without due care and attention. She's got an eight-week suspended sentence and was disqualified from driving for two years. She's also on a curfew for three months between seven at night and seven in the morning and has to pay £213 in costs. As far as reaction, well, Detective Constable Mike Ganley from the BTP says her actions that night could have resulted in tragic consequences. He adds that she not only put herself in danger, but those on the train as well. 
They're hoping that by releasing the footage of what happened, it'll be a warning to anyone else considering driving or stepping onto the tracks. Ollie, thanks ever so much. It's emerged a pilot who died when his aircraft span out of control and crashed into a Kent field had been practising a new manoeuvre. Angus Buchanan lost control of the plane while flying with a formation display team over Ashford in May last year. An investigation found no faults with the aircraft. A coroner's concluded the 57-year-old's death was as a result of misadventure. A motorcyclist in her 50s has died following a crash near Dover. The woman was travelling along the A258 Deal Road when she collided with a refuse lorry just after seven yesterday morning. Officers want to hear from anyone who saw what happened or has dash cam footage. People living on a road in Ashford are calling for better signage as cars are being damaged by lorries getting stuck. At Kent Online, you can see pictures of one of the HGVs that tried to get down Fairview Drive in the South Willsborough part of town. They're blaming the problem on the new lorry park at nearby Sevington. We're told the government has committed to resolving the problem while the local council is urging anyone who's been affected to get in touch. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. The government's levelling up plans have been described as a kick in the teeth for Kent schools. We told you in yesterday's podcast how it's identified 55 education investment areas where money will be put into closing the attainment gap for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. However, Kent has missed out as average levels across the county have been pushed up by schools that are performing well. Alan Brooks is a former chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers and was on the lowdown on our Facebook Live last night. I think there is a clear political aim that says aim this at the north of the country, as though the north of the country was some sort of homogenous unit, which of course it isn't any more than Kent is a homogenous unit. There are areas in Kent, we've talked Thanet, we could talk Swale, we could round the coast to Dover and beyond, where there is extreme deprivation and extreme poverty. And I think if the government was serious about this, and I'm not certain there's any new money anyway, by the way, but if the government was serious about this, they would have looked in much more granular detail. Kent is the largest education authority in England. I think it's the largest education authority in Western Europe. So to think Kent equals Tunbridge Wells or Seven Oaks and to forget and ignore all the challenges that we are facing in the schools across the more deprived areas, I'm afraid is an opportunity missed. We have seen year after year after year of funding reductions in education and right across children's social services and beyond. And to get a bit of money back is no bonus, even if there is any money. To have no money back and maybe some more of it siphoned somewhere else is is appalling. I mean, I think that's I think that's a real kick in the teeth for all of the people that are working so hard with the young people across the county. I think there have been four levelling up grants that have been issued already across the country and, and local authorities have had to bid for these. And, and Kent has been singularly unsuccessful in that. Areas that are far richer are getting large amounts of money. Areas in Kent that aren't simply aren't getting access to this money. Swale, bottom 20% in terms of deprivation, six pounds and a penny per head from these grants. Bromsgrove, 148. Lewis, 443. There, there doesn't seem to be any detailed granular fairness about doing this properly. If the government was serious about actually levelling up individually for the children who need it most, they would have underwritten the Kevin Collins report on catch-up education last year, which asked for 15 billion 
to redress the damage from COVID, particularly in deprived areas. The government found one and a half billion. I, I don't think this is about helping the poorest in our society. I think it's about some sort of headline grabbing move. I'm sorry, it's very cynical, but I don't think this is helping the people in Kent that need it the most. It's not enough to spend 10 years reducing children's social services and then putting the burden on schools and then reducing the school's money and then deciding that actually politically it's better to push this money up north. Margate is not Tunbridge Wells and, and they cannot treat them the same. It's got wonderful schools, it's got wonderful people in it, but it has its problems. Cleaners working on trains and at railway stations in Kent have voted to go out on strike over paying conditions. They're employed by private contractor Churchill and work across Southeastern, Southern, Thameslink and Eurostar services in the county. The RMT unions say they've had to take on extra tasks during the pandemic to keep up with hygiene requirements without an increase in wages. Plans to build another McDonald's in Ashford have been given the go-ahead despite concerns about traffic. The new site next to the so-called tank roundabout off Chart Road will be the fourth one in the town. It'll also have a drive through and outdoor play area and will create 65 jobs. Kent Online reports. Now we're going to be spending some time next talking about mental health because it's time to talk day. Firstly, we have a heartbreaking story about a 19-year-old from Maidstone who took her own life after believing she'd been labelled a confused teenager by mental health services. Chelsea Smith was found by her mum at their home on Plains Avenue in October last year. The teenager had a history of mental health issues, including anxiety. But an inquest has heard how a referral letter from Kent and Medway NHS and Social Care Partnership Trust had been sent to the wrong address 10 months earlier. Well, a note was found by police in which Chelsea called on mental health services for young people to be improved. It's also been revealed today a 13-year-old girl from Whitstable who was struggling with her mental health was sent to a hospital in Manchester because there aren't enough beds here in Kent. Imogen Oliver spent five months at the unit last year, 280 miles away from her friends and family. She was suffering from severe anxiety and depression, but her mum struggled to get her help locally as only 11 spaces are available across the whole of the county. Simon Dolby is the chief executive of South Kent Mind. He's been reacting to this and talking about Time to Talk Day to Ish. Yeah, I mean, it's just an awful situation that shows um, the lack of resources that mental health um, has. Um, you know, I mean, mental health has always been the Cinderella of the health service, and and I hope you know that's going to uh, increasingly change. But you know, there's a, a, a desperate need uh, for more beds. It's uh, particularly for young people uh, in our county. Um, but the other you know, health professionals will know that that situation, that scenario for that family is actually going to be making that um, that treatment path for the young person worse because to be isolated as well as ill is you know, doubly damned, as it were. And we're also then almost putting additional pressure um, that might end up with the family of that young person or any young person in this situation also needing treatment and, 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 and having to be resourced by the NHS because of the pressure and stress on them. You know, if we're going to be putting in a several hundred mile journey for a, a, a loved one to go and visit, or they're going to be, you know, having to leave their jobs so they can stay up there and all those sorts of economic pressures. It's a terrible situation to put a family in. And the only way to fix it is extra resourcing. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the girl's name, Imogen, her, her mother has now given up work to look after her. Um, 
and she described the system as being broken. Um, would you agree with that? Um, you can only look at it from the, your perspective of what you're seeing. And I see lots and lots of organizations and agencies who are delivering great work uh, for mental health. And that's getting better and better in so many regards. But absolutely, um, you know, this the, you know, the mother of this uh, young person that's affected with only 11 beds in the county, absolutely you know I, you, I can see why she's saying it's broken it absolutely needs more uh, more resources but that isn't the whole picture in terms of mental health there are some there are some good elements but this bit is yeah woeful absolutely and for a 13 year old who was suffering already so much with anxiety and depression to be then charted off hundreds of miles away away from her support networks locally away from her friends and family and to be there for months, and th that's going to have a lifelong impact, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I've been in these sorts of facilities in in the county and and uh, in other counties, and um, you know, they're they're not always the best place for these young people to be put. Um, and very often, uh, young people are placed in these facilities because there isn't the relevant care in the community. I don't know the the details of this particular case, but um, it's not always the healthiest place to to put them. Uh, and when you add in that uh, geography and the isolation absolutely it's 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 not always the best situation in any shape or form so desperately worrying um this particular case and i, I totally understand why why mum thinks the system is broken after the challenge of the pandemic the last couple of years how important is it that there's a much greater focus on our mental health i, I think there's it, it's always been uh, desperately important but because of the stigma about talking about it uh really that you know that's that's what's changed through the pandemic i think um if we can have a silver lining with the pandemic, it's that it is now far easier to talk about mental health and expected. And I think that's what's great about Time to Talk Day is that it just provides yet another opportunity to turn the, the spotlight on something that is absolutely so critical because we all have health and we all have mental health. And to pretend that, you know, you can have a broken arm, but you can't have, you know, a broken, uh, a, a broken mental health in some shape or form uh, is, you know, is, is nonsensical. So it's, um, it, it's really, really important. Well, health bosses say they're adding another six beds in April. If you are in need of chatting to someone, head to southkentmind.org.uk for relevant contact details. And finally, on this today, some really shocking news that a bench in Ashford inspired by Ricky Gervais's show Afterlife has been vandalised. A gold plaque's been stolen from the seat just two weeks after it was installed at Victoria Park. It had been donated by Netflix to give people a place to sit, reflect and share. Kent Online reports. The RSPCA say a dog was lucky to survive after being thrown from a truck travelling at 50 miles per hour in Yalding. The one-year-old Terrier Cross, who's now been called Freya, was taken into a vet by members of the public who saw it happen on Benover Road last Friday night. She was in a bad condition but is now recovering and an investigation's underway to find whoever's responsible. Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner says extra funding to the force will help recruit another 195 officers. As you may have heard in yesterday's podcast, plans for us to pay more towards policing via our council tax have been approved. Well, it'll see bills go up by an average of £10 a year from April. Matthew Scott says it's the right thing to do, though. The precept will enable us to deliver the uh, 195 extra police officers that the government is also uh, contributing towards from the 
uh, extra 20,000 that have been recruited over three years. This will take us to um, over 4,100 police officers, more than we've ever had, uh, and also keeping up the population growth since 2010 as well. So on a police numbers point of view, uh, it's really positive. Um, in terms of some other schemes, we're going to see some investment in uh, some of our local police stations in Tunbridge and Maystone, in Folkestone and Ashford, and also one of our bases uh, at Cold Harbour, uh, which will improve the facilities there, give um, you know some certainty to those uh, venues going forward. Uh, and finally, there's another programme called our Digital Asset Management Service, where we will be making it easier for people to submit evidence digitally. So they'll be able to submit things like CCTV or dash cam footage uh, via a link that they'll get sent rather than have to email or burn disks, which has been a, a rather outdated method of doing so. So more officers, investment in our police stations, but, but also making our... Um, our crime investigations more efficient and easier for victims. Graffiti has been washed off walls, gum removed from pavements and street furniture repainted as part of a bid to spruce up Maidstone. The council say they're on a mission to clean up the borough and want residents to do their part to keep it clean and tidy. A team's been out on Earl Street for a deep clean. A time capsule buried at a school in Kent back in the 90s has gone missing. Pupils at St Mary's Platt had put it together to mark the school's 150th anniversary in 1996 and it contained newspapers from the day, sweet wrappers and even handwritten notes. Well, the old school is being demolished after moving to a new site, but no one's been able to find the capsule. It's hoped developers moving onto the land will look out for it. A Kent theatre has been added to a list of venues at risk of closing down. The Roundhouse is currently located at the Discovery Centre in Dover, but may have to move because of a £7 million refurbishment project. A petition's underway to save it, as the Theatres Trust reveals more sites than ever are struggling following the pandemic. Bit of an update from the story we brought you yesterday about the royal visit to Kent and Charles Dickens' great-great-grandson has told the Kent Online podcast it was an absolute honour to have the Duchess of Cornwall open a new exhibition in Rochester about his life. Camilla visited the Guildhall Museum in the High Street yesterday. The making of Mr Dickens tells the story of one of England's most celebrated authors who lived in Medway. Well, Gerald Dickens says the grand opening was a wonderful occasion. The Duchess of Cornwall... uh, was very gracious and gave her time to to help uh, celebrate and of course she um, is a great supporter of literacy and and reading so it was a very apt um, visit and and it was she read um, a passage from Great Expectations uh, along with me to some of the local school children so it was a very very special afternoon. And uh, she mentions one of her favourite books, Tale of Two Cities, yeah. and characters, and, and you get a little bit of an insight into absolutely. things. So, absolutely. So, you know, not many people, so she you know, went into the, what, why she particularly loved Dickens as no. an author. What, why is that so important to get kids engaged, to, to, to bring that, those subjects to life? Well, I actually, the, the Duchess mentions it. Two reasons. One, he is a darn good storyteller. You know, the stories are great, so read them and have fun with them. And the characters are big, and there are villains, and there are heroes, and there are love stories and everything. They're, they're great stories. But also, the messages he has to tell, the, um, the, the, the stories of the social conditions of the time he was writing. Uh, there are lessons to be learned, and we still need to learn them today. So, so from both points of view. Sticking with the reading theme, and muggles will be gathering later to celebrate the Harry Potter books. We don't want to make you feel too old, but it's 25 years since the first book, Philosopher's Stone, was published. It's the eighth Harry Potter book night, designed to get schools, libraries and shops celebrating the boy wizard. And on Saturday, a magical trail will be taking place in Ashford's Victoria Park. And a month of events 
to mark LGBT History Month is getting underway in Folkestone. An art show at Brewery Tap on Tontine Street launches tonight. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and there's been disappointment for Kent's Tammy Beaumont in Australia as England's hopes of regaining the women's ashes are over. They suffered a 27-run defeat in the first one-day international. The opening batter could only manage three runs before being caught out as they failed to chase down a target of 206. Captain Heather Knight says they've not been good enough across the multi-format series. In the uh, three games that we've played, uh, we, we haven't been able to string batting and bowling together and been that complete performance, but... Proud of the way the, the girls have fought, they, the lower order, I think, um, kept in it a little bit and kept the hope alive, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, the ashes have gone. Australia have an unassailable 8-4 lead with two ODIs to play. And in football, Maidstone United manager Hakan Hayretin has signed a new 18-month contract at the club. The deal will keep him at the Gallagher Stadium until the end of next season. This is his second full season in charge and the Stones are pushing for promotion from National South. They're currently second in the table and have gone on a run of 11 games unbeaten. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.